Born to Ride Jam Music and Motorcycle Festival. Saturday, November 2nd, England Brothers Park in Pinellas Park. Starring Paul Rogers and Joan Jett of the Blackhearts. Also, Blackberry Smoke, Foghat, Molly Hatchet, and David Allen Coe. Joan Jett of the Blackhearts and Paul Rogers. Meet Sons of Anarchy stars Katie Seagal, Theo Rossi, and Kim Coates. Paul Rogers and Joan Jett of the Blackhearts. Plus, Counting Car stars Danny the Count Coker and Kevin Mack. Joan Jett of the Blackhearts. Don't wait. Hurry and get your tickets now at FordToRideJam.com. Hey, listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Your Pizza Shop, located at 1200 8th Avenue Southwest in Largo, offers a great selection of personalized pizzas, pastas, and calzones, as well as delicious wings, subs, salads, and tasty desserts. Enjoy the relaxing atmosphere and scenic view overlooking Pinecrest Golf Course. Remember, for the finest pizza anywhere, takeout, delivery, or catering, call 581-1101. That's 581-1101. Or order online at yourpizzashop.com. This is Brad Fanshaw from Bond Speed Wheels and Street Riding Custom Radio. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Growing youngsters like pretty Lori Nelson. She loves past cars, but wants to be sure about love. Don't ever shut me out again. Chuck Connors, a cop young enough to want to help hot rodders. John Smith, who likes to pep up racing motors. Mark Andrews, a newcomer, bringing new thrills. And new danger. I got a feeling you'll be hearing from me very soon. I'm going out and don't try to stop me. Don't get in my way. Here's excitement that hits hard. Packed with the dangerous thrills of hot-blooded youngsters showing off to hot rod girls. Like Roxanne Arlen, named by newspaperman The Wiggle, a thrill chaser who never stops. Chicken Race, the Russian roulette of the rock and roll set. You'll know the tops in thrills when you see Hot Rod Girl. Name, Kowalski. 
Occupation, driver. Transporting a supercharged Dodge Challenger from Denver to San Francisco. Background, Medal of Honor in Vietnam. Former stock and bike racer. Former cop, dishonorably discharged. Now he uses speed to get himself up. To get himself gone. Everybody's after Kowalski. For one reason or another. Is there something I can do for you? Well, like what? Like anything you want. Everybody wants a piece of his hide. Maybe kill somebody. Maybe stole that big dude of his. Maybe both. They want to get him and put him away. But they'll have to catch him first. Challenger being chased by the blue, blue meanies on wheels, the vicious traffic squad cars are after our known driver, the super driver of the Golden West. The police numbers are getting closer, closer, closer to our soul hero in his soul mobile. They're gonna get him, smash him, rip the last American hero. It's the maximum trip at maximum speed. Vanishing point. Hi, I'm Barry McGuire, host of Car Crazy Television, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome, welcome. You are tuned into Nostalgic Video and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. And boy, do we have an exciting show for you tonight. Matter of fact, we have something different. I've never done this before, but I'm going to have four, not one, not two, not three, but four guests on. And not only are they guests, but they're ladies. They're women that are in the car hobby. This should be really exciting because uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Every one of these girls have really, really cool talents. Every one of the girls were involved in uh, last year's SEMA Mustang build project. So uh, that's going to be show. I've got uh, a couple of announcements to make real quick. Don't forget this week. Well, not this week. Actually, it's November 2nd. Is the Born to Ride Jam concert in Pinellas Park. Bad Company, Joan Jett, Foghat, Molly Hatchet, and a whole bunch of other people. So go check the website out, borntoride.com. It's uh, going to be a great event, okay? Also, this weekend going on, too, is... Uh, and last week, if you tuned into our show, we had, uh, we had a lady on... Carolyn Van Nagel, I think I pronounced her name correctly, and she is the uh, president of the Hilton Head Island Motoring Festival and Concourse d'Elegance. Okay, that's going on this weekend. In fact, this weekend starts the Savannah Speed Festival. Okay, so that's part of that whole venue. So go check that out. That's a really good thing. Also, to, if you're going to be up that way, I wish I could be there, but this is another event that's going on this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. But up in Dawsonville, Georgia, you know, it's kind of like the uh, moonshine capital of the world, I guess you would call it. But they got the Moonshine Festival. So they're going to have parades. You're going to have cars. You're going to have rallies. You're going to have all kinds of cool stuff. You're going to get to meet some really cool people. As a matter of fact, last year, Bud Moore, Bud Moore Racing, I'm sure everybody knows him, he was the uh, guest of honor. And uh, I'm not sure who it is going to be this year, but go ahead and check out that website, moonshinefestival.com. It's up in uh, in Dawsonville, Georgia. Also this weekend, in our own backyard, right here in Safety Harbor, is the British Car Show. That's Saturday, all day long. Okay? 
Um, also this weekend is the Nostalgia Drags taking place at Bradenton Motorsports Park in Sarasota, okay? This past weekend, I was at uh, Billaproof with my friends Alan Galbraith and a bunch of other guys. It was a lot of fun. We were over there. We were going to bring something to the race, which we brought. My son and I brought the two mini bikes, the Trail 70 and the uh, Honda 50, but I forgot my helmet, so I couldn't run down the tracks. But nonetheless, we went riding around in the neighborhood there, actually at the track, which was a lot of fun. And then right next to the track, contiguous to that piece of property, is the Lakeland Mud Hole. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, if you've never been to a mud hole and seen guys just run through a mud hole, uh, it's definitely something you got to check out. In fact, we're going to bring some of those people on our show here in a couple of weeks because I think they have an event just once a month. So, uh, but it's a lot of fun because you can take your four wheelers out there, you can take your quad cycles out there, you can take your big four by fours out there, you can run your dirt bikes through there, and just bring a bar of soap and some water with you because you're gonna have to clean up afterwards. Also, this weekend in Tampa at the fairgrounds, Alice Cooper's coming in town doing his Halloween concert. That should be a lot of fun. And Friday, this coming Friday, last Friday of the month, or is it next Friday? Well, anyway, Blast Friday's coming up, and Poco is gonna be the band that's gonna be down there. So. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Run to my website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Check out our events page. I generally have most everything pasted on there. Of course, in a couple of weeks, the big event, obviously, which I talk about all the time and I look forward to, is SEMA. That's coming up in Las Vegas. So be sure and, uh, like I said, check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Like us on Facebook. And if you've missed any of our past shows, be sure and check out our website because we have our podcast page on there. And that's all currently updated with pictures and text and all kinds of cool stuff. Hi, I'm Lauren Fix, the car coach, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So, having said that, I think we have one of our fabulous ladies online. Do we have one, two? How many we got, Cedric? I think we have three people on the line already. Three people on the line. I, oh, just, boy. I just called uh, Cammy. You just called Cammy. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. So, let me give me a list of uh, the ladies that are going to be participating in this evening's panel and discussion of cars. And I think we have Kelly Kauf. She's on the line. We have Joanne Bortles. Is that how you pronounce it? Bortles? Is that how you pronounce yes, it? Yes, it is. Okay. Oh, Joe. Oh, you guys are all on there. Oh, okay. Well, Kelly, if you're there, hello. Joanne, if you're there, hello. And Cammy, are you there too? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's one by one. Let's. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, say, Cammy, welcome to the show. And everybody, you need really no introduction because you come from the first family of Hot Rod. Cammy Edelbrock. Cammy, welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, we, we we talked about doing this last year, and now we finally get to do it. And it's just before SEMA, so we can do the whole promotional thing, talk about last year's event and uh, what you guys are working on this year. And then, of course, we have Kelly. Kelly, uh, it's Kolf, if I pronounce your name correctly, right? Correct. Okay, and uh, you're involved with, I guess you have a PR company, but you're also involved in, in SEMA, the SEMA Women's Business Network, correct? Uh, yes, I've been involved in a number of SEMA councils and committees. Okay, all right. And then we have Joanne Bortles. Okay, Joanne, and then you have a company that's called Crazy Horse Painting, correct? Yes. Interesting name. So you have uh, some um, unbelievable talent. I was reading up on you a little bit. So we have Kelly, Joanne, and we have Cammy. Okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's start with uh, Joanne a little bit. Talk a little bit about what you do. You have uh, some interesting credentials here. I mean, award-winning painter, airbrush, welding, fabricator, writer, author, uh, numerous awards with uh, good guys, uh, National Street Ride Association, Easy Rider bike shows, uh, Chopper Chick crew. I mean, all kinds of cool stuff. So give us a little background on yourself. I guess you could say I was like a, a born gearhead. Uh, my dad uh, used to have a gas station, and uh, his his father was a diesel mechanic. So I, I, I grew up around cars and motorcycles, and it just and I was also an artist, so it just was kind of natural that my art and my love for cars and bikes should, uh, you know, combine and turn into a painting and working on cars and bikes. Now, you're located where? You're in North Carolina, correct? 
Yeah, so I'm in uh, Waxhaw, North Carolina. It's just south of Charlotte. Okay. So some of the projects that you're working on right now, anything that's going to make it to SEMA this year? Yeah, well, hopefully my uh, 1967 Firebird will be loaded on a trailer a week from today and be ready to leave for SEMA show. That's right. I was reading up on that. You got a 67 Firebird, and in fact, Kelly has a 60. We'll talk about that in a second when we bring Kelly on. She's got a 68 Firebird. So you guys are like Pontiac girls. So you have something yeah, in, in common there. Team, team Firebird. Team Firebird. Okay. <laughs> so what, 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 what are some of the unique characteristics of your Firebird? What's going to be uh, like some of the neat features? Well, it's kind of unique because it's a 67, but it's got 68 quarter panels on it. Okay. So that's got the and little uh, louvers. I know there's something different about them, right? Well, the the thing that's different about it is it has uh, the side marker light on the side of it, the uh, arrowhead, but it, they're also a little bit longer. Oh, they are? So yeah, they're slightly longer, so it gives it the car. It's just It's just like a quarter inch, but it's kind of deceptive. It just makes the car just a little, just a little bit sleeker. Um it's got some trick uh, aftermarket parts on it, some really nice, uh, really radical wheels from uh, Rocket Booster. It's got a Hotchkiss uh, sports suspension. It's got um, stainless steel brake corp, uh, some really nice brakes. It's uh, it's going to be a pretty radical car. Okay, it sounds interesting. Now, that car's going to probably be outside in the front there of uh, SEMA, right? Is that where you're hoping to get that one? Oh, that is actually going to be inside Central Hall in the Dynacorn booth, Uh we used all Dynacorn sheet metal on the car. In fact, uh, all but one of the original panels on the car has completely replaced. With oh, really? Panel. Yes. But it started out as a as a '67 Firebird, correct? Yeah, and it technically still is a '67. It just has the '68 quarters on it. I gotcha. Okay, so what'd you do for a wild paint job? Because that's kind of like your specialty. Well, um, I wanted to come up with a really trick color. I love purple. The car actually belongs to myself and my boyfriend, and it was actually his his high school car. And up to three months ago, I mean, it was just a rusting hulk in the field next to our house. And last week, I sprayed um, this really wild uh, color from PPG, this uh, violet uh, purple pearl. And um, it the car looks black in certain kinds of lights, but when the light hits it, it just lights up purple. And um, I'm just finishing up doing the real fire flames on the car. Wow, that sounds uh, pretty neat. Awesome. Now, Kelly, your car, your Firebird, your 68 Firebird, tell us a little bit about your car. Well, uh, that car is my first car that I bought when I was 14 years old. It's an ex-drag car. It's got a 428 in it, and it's actually on the tail end of its third redo since I've owned it. Jeez. Well, now, you see, yep. you, I, I was reading in your bio, you're a girl after my own heart. You actually took your college money or your, your school money that you were sa- yeah. that they were saving up, and you went out and bought a car and didn't go to school, but you managed to get to school later. But anyway, that's kind of cool, because that would have been something that I would have done. Yeah, that, it was a little bit of a dangerous decision, especially at 14, to raid the bank account and not tell the parents, but I managed to get away with it. So now, is this car a four-speed or an automatic car? It's actually an automatic. Okay. But it's a rather rare car. They made 3,500 automatic on the column with a bench seat that year. And so far, I've managed to find two that are still on the road. And considering it's so rare, it'd kind of be a sin to convert it over to standard. So I've left it how it was. So when you got the car, the car actually was an old drag race car, you said? Yes. Believe it or not, they used to drag the thing with an automatic. Oh, that's interesting. And I, I have no idea who did it. 
who changed the engine and turned it into a drag car, but somebody did at some point in the past. When I bought it, the person who handed me the keys said, I wash it, I wax it, I change the oil, I think the engine might not be original. <laughs> and I said, oh, yes, please take my money. Here, give me the car. <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. Well, now tell us a little bit about what you do and some of the, a little bit about your background and your past. Well, uh, the, my background, I've been a gearhead since I stole that money and bought that car. Okay. Uh, I used to be what I call on the other side of the table because I spent all of high school and young adulthood doing nothing but working on my car and showing it and all of that sort of thing. Uh, my first job out of college, I sold and serviced industrial metalworking equipment, so I've always been involved in kind of all things mechanical. I spent a while in heavy industry, and I've worked in the automotive aftermarket for 13 years, worked for several of the aftermarket manufacturers. I worked for Eaton Detroit Spring. I worked for Stainless Steel Brakes. And now I have my own company doing PR and marketing and a lot of web stuff for automotive aftermarket manufacturers. In your perspective, in the current economic conditions that we have right now that are prevailing, what is the? Well, how would you forecast the aftermarket industry? I think it'll be just fine. Would it be fair to say, and, and, and each one of you ladies can comment on this, all three of you, Cammie, you're there too, right? And, uh-huh, I'm and, here. Okay. You guys all are involved in the SEMA Women's Business Network, okay? And, and the objective there is to what? Get women involved in the automotive uh, aftermarket industry, is that correct? Or just in the automotive industry in general or, and to network? Well, um, a, a SEMA Business Women's Network is, is we have a mission statement. It's um, for more information. You can go to sema.org slash you know uh, SBN. Um, I I don't. Do, do you guys have the the mission statement memorized? Because I don't. But what we do is we help women in the industry to understand the opportunities out there in our industry. We help them uh, network and answer their questions about about working in the industry. Um, we have men that are part of our group as well, so um, it's not just for women, but we, we do focus on helping other women in the industry to um, to learn about what's available. And, for example, at the SEMA show, we have a, an event called the Gear Up Girls, where a bunch of women from that are still, some of, most of them are still in school, we're going to meet with them and share our experiences uh, from being in the aftermarket. And, you know, it's basically about helping them understand that women can do this too. I mean, like you heard from Kelly and Joanne and how, you know, it's not just men working on their cars. It's it's women too. We're out there racing, working on cars, getting our hands dirty. And, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities. So, you know, it's just basically getting that message out there. Back to Kelly, the question that I asked you, which was the aftermarket industry as far as you you said that if you had to forecast it it's it looks pretty good would would it be fair to say that people because it's a hobby and because it's, it's people are passionate about it that are in the hobby that somehow they manage to just uh always keep the hobby going in other words there's they'll they'll find a way it's kind of like racers you know and probably more importantly drag racers and circle track guys that I've noticed those guys tend to you know, beg, borrow, steal, save, scrounge, uh, you know, eat potato chips if they have to, to to keep the cars on the road, to keep the hobby going. And uh, it seems, seems to me that, you know, guys are 
fanatical about it, but do girls get just as fanatical about it if you're really into the hobby, if you're passionate about it as guys do? And would that attribute to why the hobby and why the industry is still kind of just chugging along, kind of like Steady Eddie? Uh, I would say yes. And looking, you know, historically, whenever there's been economic downturns, the aftermarket's never been hit quite as hard. And I think that has to do with the fact that we are a hobby and we happen to be a lucky hobby in that our enthusiasts may be a little more rabid than most. And you mentioned <laughs> potato chips. Sure. I've always said macaroni and cheese. I've okay. always said our guys are happy to eat macaroni and cheese for dinner as long as they get that supercharger. As long as they get that supercharger. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. As far as uh, now, any one of you girls can answer this. Like now, each one of you guys are actually in a different area. So, Kelly, you're up in Buffalo, New York, right? And right. Joanne, you're in North Carolina, and Cammy, you're out in California. And would it be fair to say? And let's, let's talk about women here primarily. Are, is the is the interest in the hobby from a woman's perspective, from a girl's perspective? I can say girl, right? You're okay with that, right? Girl, from a girl's perspective, yeah. uh, does it vary a lot geographically? In other words, it, you know, I, I would imagine California is pretty strong, but what's it like in New York and what's it like in uh, in uh, North Carolina? Wait, wait, first, I'd like to say something. I'd like to address the girl's perspective uh, comment. Okay, I I. Um, I believe that our perspective is very similar to men's. I mean, if you're a gearhead, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, we all have the same thoughts, the same passion, the same kind of drive to to make our hobby thrive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, our perspective is, is it, it really doesn't vary. You know, would you guys agree with me on that, Kelly and Joanne? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but I, what I think keeps this business, this aftermarket business alive is all the manufacturers that continue to innovate. I mean, it's, it's, um, not only the manufacturers, the aftermarket manufacturers, but the OEs, you know, are out there developing these great muscle cars. Um, the performance numbers are huge now. Uh, you know, you can get 600 horsepower, no problem with a, a very streetable combination with a supercharger and, um, and, drive it every day. So it's just the innovations just continue. Um, and then there's people like Don Garlitz who has an electric dragster and he's out there, you know, playing around with an electric powered dragster, you know, so, and Bill Stein at the, the SEMA show is going to have a electric powered off-road buggy uh, that, that's been out racing. So it's just the innovations, I think, that really keep it going. What aspect of the aftermarket industry seems to be the strongest from your perspective? Like say, and, and again, like you said, it probably doesn't discriminate whether it's a, a guy or a girl thing, but just in your, in your you know, perspective, you know, and again, anyone you girls can answer this, you know, and what, what's the strongest aspect of it? In other words, is it hardcore hot rodding? Is it uh, like, like for Jan, Joanne, is it, is it painting? Is it, uh, you know, graphics for Kelly? Is it, uh, is it, you know, Again, marketing or PR or or vintage cars. I mean, you all have like a little different, you know, take on it because you're in various aspects of the business. So, kind of, you know, share a little of that with us. Well, I think uh, you know it, it would be nice if everybody was concentrating on you know appearances, okay, and getting and getting their the exterior of their cars customized. But from what I see in the southeast. Um, People are interested in performance. That's the number one thing people do. They want to go faster. 
Okay. Whether they hop up the motor or they put uh, better tires on it, they want to go fast. Okay. Kelly, up there where you're at, New York? I would say the same thing. The the front runner is your performance, and the more hardcore performance, the better. Okay. And Cammie, out there where you're at? Well, we have a variety of clients from that are from all over the country, and they, you know, everybody from Bill Stein with their suspension systems to Edelbrock with the superchargers and, and Royal Purple Oil, and they're all doing really well. Um, Ibox, um, they're, they're all doing really well. So it's, it's just like um, from what we see, the aftermarket is doing is really, you know, what recession? I mean, they're all really doing well. And, and the, if, if anybody's out there listening is going to be at the FEMA show in a couple of weeks, they'll see how good it's doing because the, the show is, is huge. And they've, they've, you know, all the booth space is, is sold and, and everything's back the way it was, you know, years ago. So um, it's just across the board. Everything looks really strong. Would it be fair to say that there's, uh, you know, because a lot of the stuff, the thing about SEMA is you have manufacturers and uh, people from all over the world that show up there. And, you know, we're, there's a lot of us that are kind of like uh, old school, kind of a big push for stuff made in the United States. Do you guys find the same sentiment? In other words, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, I mean, like, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave Donicorn out of it because Donicorn has a lot of stuff made over there. And, of course, they're doing the Camaro bodies and they're doing the Chevelles and they're doing the Mustangs and stuff like that. And for various reasons, they're over there for manufacturing um, purposes, you know, to, to keep the costs and stuff down, to make it affordable so we can keep the hobby going, obviously, or at least that aspect of it. But, for example, there's a lot of peripherals that are made overseas. What is this, the, the sentiment, the feedback that you guys see um, among your hobbyists, peers, okay, domestic versus import. Is that ever a question? Well, I can um, speak to that a little bit. You okay. know, if you're talking domestic versus import car brands, um, it's, it's, you know, there's an even, you know, distribution of who likes what. But when if you're talking about where parts are being made, right. like That's aftermarket a- parts, mm-hmm. um, that people still really want to see it made in USA. Okay. I mean, you know, I know my dad's company has a very strong belief about keeping things made in the USA. He has, you know, two foundries in San Jacinto, California, and and a big manufacturing facility in Torrance. And the fact that they keep everything made in USA, well, most everything is made in the USA, uh, it's, a big, it's a big selling point and a big marketing point for them and but, a lot of our clients. Okay. The... Um- up there where you're at in uh, New York, Kelly, do uh, do you see a lot of tuner cars running around, or is it still pretty much old-school hot rods and uh, uh, def- muscle cars? Definitely more old-school. The, the tuner did appear for a while when it was hot and heavy everywhere, and it really has died off. I wouldn't say it's dead, but there's a lot less of it going on than it used to be. What really is the meat and potatoes around here is about a 50-50 mix of hot rods and 60s muscle. Are there a lot of girls up there involved in your hobby? A surprising number, yes. Really? Yes. When you see girls... I think anybody who gets close to this, you know, close to women in the hobby starts to find out there's an awful lot more than they were ever aware were there. Okay. When when you guys um, get into the car hobby of it 
you know, and from a girl's perspective, what is what's the first area that girls tend to gravitate to? I mean, what aspect of the hobby? And anyone you girls God. can comment on it because it may be different geographically. I um I work with Wyotech and mm-hmm. they have five campuses across the country. Um, and every time I visit a Wyotech campus, I'm amazed to see all the women working in the automotive, um, you know, in the fabrication, chassis fab, um, high-performance powertrain. There's a lot of women in learning the hands-on aspect of our of our hobby. So, in other words, so it's it's the so the, the the fabrication. Getting your hands dirty. Getting your, getting your hands dirty. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's cool. What about what about racing? How many girls take a real big interest in racing? You know, newcomers to the to the hobby, so to speak. I mean, do they do a lot of them go to drag racing? Do a lot of them go to road racing? Do they go to uh, circle track? I mean, what has been you know what's the feedback? Now, I would imagine up there where you're at, Joanne, in South Carolina or North Carolina, that's more of a circle track type area, right? Um, yeah, you, uh, what we have mostly around here, you know, of course we have NASCAR, we have some small ovals, um, and then of course the oval dirt tracks. So that's what we mostly have around here. And, um, I kind of have to say on the local level around here, very limited amount of women that are out there on the track. Oh, really? Is So it's still kind of a good old boy network type thing there? It, pr- it pretty much is, but one of the surprising things is that there are a number of women who are involved, you know, in the port teams and in the crews, okay. you know, in NASCAR. Okay. One of our one of our own select committee members, Jennifer Lefevre, uh, works with uh, the Roush Yates uh, engine program in their uh, quality control. Okay. Um, so the so the girls in your area, if they're not involved in, let's just say, the NASCAR, and from a let's say a crew perspective or support perspective, do some of the girls that are initially getting into the hobby up in your area there, let's say neck of the woods, okay, to be cliche, um, do they go to do they get into just the the cruises or, or do they get into the drag racing thing? Because there's a lot of racetracks up your way too, drag racetracks. Oh uh, well, we've got Z Max. Um... I really have to admit I don't really go to that. Okay. The one thing, the one the one of the fantasies about working in this industry is people think you spend a lot of time going to the races or going to shows or going here there and the reality and being out cruising and the reality is when you work in this industry you spend a lot of time working at least in the custom end of the industry. Okay. I do not get out as much as I wish I was able to get out. In your case, with because you do painting, do you are do you, do your customers allow you the flexibility of using your creativity, or do a lot of them um, basically contribute a lot, of, a lot of their own input? It is um, pretty much an even split. Most people have a pretty good idea of what they want. I mean, some people will come in, they will give me a photograph and or a drawing, and they say exactly that. Um, I say the majority of them have an idea of what they want, and, you know, they'll show me a few paint jobs that are along the lines of what they like, and then it's up to me to design something that, you know, they're going to want to look at for the next, you know, 10, 20 years or however long they're going to have their vehicle. But that's part of my job is to get inside their head because, you know, it's, it's not my car. It's not my motorcycle. So, you know, I want to do something that my customer looks at, and every time they look at it, they say, wow, I am so glad that I had that done. 
the as far as the mix between cars and motorcycles that you do yourself for customers, what's the what's the uh, perspe- percentage? For women, oh, definitely, I get more women customers with motorcycles than cars. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I and it's funny. Um, from the uh, I go every year, twice a year, the Food Lion. The uh, they have it, the Food Lion Auto Fair up at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and there are su- there are a number of women there with cars, but it's just it's just kind of a odd thing that well, you know, if I had to pick, okay, are there more women on two wheels or four, or four wheels around here? I'd have to say uh, two wheels. Really, you know, ones that are enthusiasts that are actively customizing their rides. I'd have to say it's motorcycles. And what type of bikes are they doing? Are they doing, let's say, your basic stock bike with some chrome and some really nice paint jobs, or are they going radically extreme with the bikes and, you know, putting, you know, changing the forks, changing the the wheels, tires, power plants, and things like that, and just going, you know, kind of like a extreme all-out killer bikes? Women that I noticed, they tend, with motorcycles, they tend to uh, customize things appearance-wise. Okay. Um, they're not as concentrated as from the performance aspect as the men are. The men, they want to put that stroker motor in there. The women, um, you know, they want to put some nice-looking wheels on it. They, they want that bike, it, you know, to look good. They want it to complement them. You know, it's the ultimate accessory. Okay. And as far as demanding, okay, are the guys more demanding or are the girls more demanding? That's another one. Very question. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I'm just curious. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I know women are fashion conscious, and I know that you know when it comes to appearance and clothing and things like that, you know, you're particular. So, um, but just for argument's sake, humor me. <laughs> well, I mean, the women that I've my my women customers have been amazing. I mean, um. They normally don't. I mean, every once in a while, it's, most of my customers are actually pretty amazing. I, I get very few customers that, you know, I, you know, give me fits or I'm like wondering, you know, I wish that I could do something to make them happy. Um, most of my customers, they're actually pretty easy to get along with. They're patient. Um, they're great to communicate with them, and usually the the paint work that I do, it's usually a really good experience for me and for the customer. Do the do the girls tend to be a little bit more elaborate on what they want done as opposed to the guys, or is that a, or is it about an even thing? Um, well, I did a I did a bike recently for a customer in Northern California. She had a. Uh, Victory. It's called a Victory Vision. It's a full dresser motorcycle. There were like 35 pieces of plastic that make up the uh, the body of this motorcycle. And she knew exactly. She she knew she wanted flowers. She knew she wanted purple. I probably did about a dozen different samples of purple that had sent her these samples, and she finally picked one that she liked. And it was a funny thing. It was one of the first three samples I sent her. And she wanted, you know, she had flowers she had wanted to see on this bike. Um, I did the design work on it. Um, But, you know, I took her ideas, put it on the bike, and she loved it. But, you know, she had a really good idea of what she wanted. 
and she was really easy to, you know, get along with, and she absolutely was thrilled at the way her paint job came out. And I have to say that most of my experience is working with my uh, lady customers. Okay. They generally go like that. Now, you yourself, are you more into bikes or cars? Uh, I'd have to say these days I'm more into cars. Okay. Um, my, my poor bikes, I think they're... I think they're getting depressed down there in their bike shed. They haven't been getting much attention lately. <laughs> Cammy or Kelly, do you guys, are you getting the bikes at all, or are you guys just strictly car girls? Cars. Cars? Cars. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, bikes are cool, but I, I've been around cars more than I more than bikes, but I love Joanne's work. She's amazing. I mean, this oh. is radio, so nobody can see what she does, but... She does some beautiful work. I, I have a question for you, Joanne. How long does it take you to do those reality flames on, you know, say your 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 car that you were talking about earlier? Real fire flames are probably one of the fastest things that I'm able to paint oh. because there's it's like with traditional flame, you have to like you have to tape out your flame and then you have to completely mask off the vehicle. Whereas with you know, and then paint your flame and then pinstripe it. And it actually can get pretty time intensive, all that masking and taping. Whereas with the real fire, it's just a series of these uh, these kind of like uh, curvy uh, templates that you hold up. And you just it, you go through the process of just, you know, spraying the different col- various colors in a progression from dark to light against the templates along the side of the car. And it actually goes pretty quick. I can usually get through one in less than a week. On a car. Oh, wow. That's still a long time, though. A week. You were well, talking about is... not having time to go to events, so I was curious how long it takes to do what you do. Well, it's, it's part of, one of the things that actually painting is, it's the wrong name for it. It should be called preparation because I spend more time preparing the surface sometimes than I actually spend painting on it. Wow. Um, let me ask you girls a question here. Let's go to the SEMA build. You guys did the Mustang last year, and that was a stunning right, the, car. The, and very, the SEMA very... Mustang build powered by women, it was called. Okay, I'm sorry. give you the full name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but that really, I, I, I saw the car. I was overly impressed. Um, I remember there was a, a thing that came across. I got an email saying that I guess there were like three or four different samples that you guys had toyed around with. But the ultimate decision that you guys came up with uh, was extremely tasteful. It was very, very good. Take us through the steps, the process, how you guys assembled a team, how you guys delegated the responsibilities of who did what, where, and when, and you know how, how you pick people based on, on their qualifications and skills. How long is the show, Robert? Well, we, have a, we, have, we have another 10, 15, 15, well, you can do it quickly. I mean, you know, <laughs> we have another 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes, 20. I'm something. teasing. I know. No, it, it was really, um, it was really a, a very great, a smooth process. Don't you? I mean, I, I, that's what I thought. I mean, we, we all, the select committee of the SEMA Business Women's Network, we were the, um, we worked alongside um, SEMA and Ford Motor Company. Um, we had people in all areas um, coming together to to put the teams together, and it was it was relatively smooth. In fact, when we were working on the car at Source Interlink in El Segundo, there was a, a guy videotaping us, and he said, "You guys are so much. You really," he said, "You guys really 
are calm and, and everything's going so smoothly. He said, when the guys work on cars, they're yelling and screaming and throwing tools and getting all frustrated. And we were just, you know, calmly, we were looking at the instructions and working with each other and <laughs> and it went really, it went really smoothly. It was, it was great. I mean, of course there were a few glitches here and there, but uh, it, it was, um, it was a relatively smooth process. We had a lot of conference calls, a lot of conference calls to discuss every aspect of the build from the, the teams to the public relations uh, to the schedule and the logistics. But um, in the end, it was, it was a pretty smooth process. Now, Kelly, you were crew chief on that job? Is that the- yes, she might have a different perspective. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, but now, how do you? How did you delegate the response? How did you get delegated that responsibility? That job? And what all did that entail? Well, uh, I was on the select committee, and that was one of the open positions. And I, I don't necessarily know that uh, it was delegated to me. I'm probably the most rabid one who went after it because okay. I'm definitely not the only gearhead <laughs> that's on that committee. <laughs> <laughs> but I was lucky enough to get it. Okay. And what that entailed was uh, essentially making sure that the vehicle was completed as it should be on time, you know, within budget to the schedules. You know, as Cammy said, we had all kinds of teleconferences for everything, but kind of my job was make sure the teams, because every week we had a different team of people working and we relegated it to different projects like the first week was uh, engine and powertrain and the second week was suspension and then we had a week for interior and stereo and we had a volunteer process where people could apply to be on these various teams and they filled out their application with, you know, what are their qualifications, and we had an interview process, and then we were able to pick the people for the teams, and I kind of sat there. I I did work on most of the aspects. I wasn't in on any of the paint and body physical working of it, but uh, I pretty much oversaw all the teams, and everything was just as smooth as Cammie said. It was really quite a dream how wonderfully everyone worked together and project-wide we had just over 50 women working on this project and I don't think there's a single one of them that came out of it making any rabid lifelong enemies. Wow. So basically you didn't you... have any fights, blowouts, blow-ups, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically you're the project manager on that job then, right? Uh, for the physical building of the car itself. Okay. Yes. Not to do with design or any any of the PR or any of that. Okay. Hey, I think we've got Karen on the line. Karen, uh, she's here. She finally called in, or we finally got a hold of her. So it's Karen. Can I? Let me see if I pronounce you right. Is it Salvaggio? Yes, you got Salvaggio. It's correct. Okay, I was close. Anyway, hey, sorry we didn't get you early on in the show, but Lisa, you're here to, to chime in. And uh, let's go ahead go ahead and introduce yourself real quick and tell us a little bit about who you are, and then we're going to bring in the rest of the conversation, because right now we're talking about the uh, SEMA Mustang build. Or not. How's it go, Cammie? <laughs> the SEMA Mustang build powered by women. Powered by women. Okay, instead of powered by yeah. Ford, powered by women. Okay, uh, go ahead, yeah, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've been I've been listening online, and I was dialing in, and it's been lots of fun. So the show is going great, and uh, it's really nice to be here with Joanne. Ann and Kelly and and Cammy and actually uh, I've known Cammy uh, for quite a while because she vintage raced 
her uh, her Mustang, and her and I actually shared some time on track long before we met through the SEMA uh, Mustang bill. <laughs> but uh, Joanne and Kelly, uh, I met them most recently last year when I was on the um, on the same uh, Mustang build powered by women uh, through the SEMA project. And I'm a, I'm a SEMA member, and this year I was very fortunate to be elected to the select committee for the SEMA Business Women's Network. Um, I've been a long-time gearhead my whole life, um, owned cars. And as a matter of fact, Robert, I was reading up about you on the website, and you and I are probably kindred spirits in the crazy car thing, so <laughs> we'll have to talk sometime. <laughs> Super. Now, tell us, tell us, you're involved with Thunder Valley Racing. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Thunder Valley Racing is a website, uh, you know, uh, thundervalleyracing.com. It was actually founded by a man some 20 years ago, but we pretty much tell the stories and uh, and get information out there about women in racing. And I know you had asked Joanne and uh, the other ladies here about uh, how many women are in racing, and very few of them actually get behind the wheel. Uh, there's more of them than you would think, particularly in club racing, whether it be through uh, the National Auto Sport Association or through SCCA and uh, uh, PCA and some of the smaller clubs. A lot of vintage racing. There's women out there driving, but uh, not many of them. You know, people know the big, you know, three or four names. Everyone knows Shirley Muldowney, Lynn St. James, Danica Patrick, uh, but but those are just some of the, you know, Janet Guthrie, you know, three or four names people can think of have gone risen to the top. So what I've spent my life doing is trying to help women enter the world of motorsports, and I'm very happy to make a connection with SEMA um, to build women either into the actual builds of cars and enjoying motorsports or actually getting out and driving. So that's what I do. I do a lot of um, uh, coaching um, I own my own endurance racing team, and I do a lot of high-performance driving events, and, and I campaign my own cars. We just ran at Bob Bondurant's birthday, 80th birthday celebration, two weeks ago, and I was very proud that our Factory 5 coupe won. We had a great time. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw the picture That's of awesome. you with uh, Pete Brock on there, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Peter Brock is a, what a, what a, what a neat guy. I've, I've been blessed to meet yeah. so many great people in motorsports, um, including Peter Brock, who designed and penned the Daytona Coupes. And I run and I work uh, heavily with Factory 5 Racing uh, in carrying on the tradition of American motorsports through, the, uh, through these tribute cars that we uh, campaign in different events through NASA and through vintage racing. Very lucky to be doing any of this. Super. That sounds really exciting. I mean, and now the, the program that you're involved with, because Lindsay James was on our show, so was Janet Galthrie, so was Shirley, so was Denise McCluggage. Don't forget her. And uh, and all these women are proponents of racing. And the youngest girl that I had on the show was a girl by the name of Shea Hobrook, who's out of, uh, I think, Ocala, or near, near Orlando, Florida. And she races in, um, it's uh, SCCA something. Forgive me for that. I can't remember. But anyway. But, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. But she's, uh, but the program, she's involved in the program that I know Lynn St. James is heavily involved with. Does she reciprocate with you? And in other words, does she kind of collaborate with you at, at uh, Thunder Valley? Yes, absolutely. It's funny you should mention, Shay, because uh, the first uh, 24 hour, or we actually run the 25 hours of Thunderhill, uh, I ran, uh, co drove with Shay um, with, uh, it was a team called Diva Speed, owned by Donna Giulio, uh, and myself, Glory Fernandez, Shay. Holbrook and uh, you know the, the four of us all all drove the 25 hours uh, with Ron Carroll as our crew chief. So Shea is a great driver. She's a super um, talk about aspiring 
she will she will make it to the top if we can continue to give her the support she needs. The problem that we have with women getting to the top is that the pressure on women to drive well, uh, and when you make a mistake, like everyone does on, on the way up, um, the, you, you really get beat down about it. So you have to really kind of put on some thick skin and dig in, and you have to have a checkbook behind you and monetary and financial and emotional support to keep you going because you're going to crash cars, bad things are going to happen. It's just what happens to everybody on the way up. But when women have it happen, um, it's the spotlight is just so huge that a lot of people just say, I don't want to do it. Um, so Shay is a great driver. She's she's certainly on her way. I see her going a long, long way in motorsport. Um, the rest of you girls, as far as uh, uh, racing, like Kelly and Joanne and obviously Cammie, what aspects of racing do you kind of follow? And if so, which women do you kind of support? Are all of them, or do you have a certain type of racing in a certain you know venue that you kind of you know watch a little bit more than the other? Anyone well, you can take a turn there at that one. <laughs> Personally, I'm more of a NASCAR fan. Are you? When it comes to racing in general, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm very proud of all the women. I love watching the women who race, but quite frankly, I'm in it for the cars. Okay. I actually ended up having to start <laughs> picking favorite drivers because no one would leave me alone. I had favorite cars. I didn't care who was behind the wheel. <laughs> You know, that's, 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 that's interesting that you mentioned that because um, in Ray, I'm a Ford guy, okay? So I would root for the Ford. And what I've noticed in the old days, there was a little bit more allegiance by the drivers to the cars. I'm digressing here. And for today, the drivers are basically bought and, put, bought and sold like a commodity. So if a guy gets a ride over here, he's in this car. One week he's in a Chevrolet, one week he's in a Ford, and he's in a Toyota. Or he might be in a Porsche, he might be in a Honda, might be in a, you know, whatever. And uh, so I'm kind of with you on that page. But, but all right, let's say, Joanne, what, what's your perspective? Oh, uh, well, I'd have to say I'm kind of along the lines with Kelly. I, um, I'm in it for the cars. I okay. mean, I'm, I like NASCAR. Um, I don't really watch the races that much anymore, but I still follow it. And I'm always rooting, even though, you know, right now I'm currently working on GM, I'm always rooting for Ford. Okay. I'm a Ford girl from way back, so... I like it when I see a Ford in victory lane. Good, good, good. Cammie, how about you? Oh, my gosh. I love all kinds of racing. I'll watch drag racing, the NHRA drag races, and cheer on, uh, you know, the Forest Girls. Um, Ashley's not racing anymore, but her sister, Courtney. And, you know, I, I think any woman that's out there racing is, is amazing. I mean, when I met Karen, um, you know, and, and we were out there racing, it, it was just, it, it's a bond that, you know, you just don't find it very often, you know. And so anybody, any woman that's out there racing, I, I'm looking at Che's website, and she is awesome. Um, you know, um, I mean, I'm so proud of Danica, Danica Patrick, for going out there and racing NASCAR with all those guys. Um, you know, the fact that she's still doing it, she hasn't given up, and she's got a, a good attitude about it. She's, You know, she's hanging in there with everybody. So, I mean, like Karen said, you got to have a bit of a thick skin, and not be intimidated by comments or anything that you hear. Um, you know, I got black flag one time because my ponytail was sticking out the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I like all kinds of racing. I'll even watch the off road, um, all the Lucas Oil off road stuff, and and uh, you know the Baja One Thousand and all that stuff. So, um, but any woman out there racing is, is I'm a fan. So. Would when we had Janet Guthrie on the show, and she raced in the late seventies, and I remember one of the things that uh, she had a tough time back then. You know, sponsors. 
you know, getting harassed, basically. I mean, you know, for for long and short of it, would you say that the mindset of the guys today in racing is a lot different towards women than it was, let's say, 30, 40 years ago? <laughs> I wouldn't say a lot different. <laughs> Karen, you could probably speak to that better than I could. <laughs> Well, you know, you know what I, you know what I found about. Um, you know, I haven't been in this business for so long. When I know about guys, you're going to have a certain percentage of them that just discount you. But the truth of the matter is that guys respect competence and they respect people who can who can get out there and drive in a skilled way and compete. Uh, without without throwing any of the you know the girl card stuff or any of the stuff you, know, you just suck it up get out there and if you are a good driver and if you are serious about what you're doing they will take you seriously. Um, I have very little resistance to anything that I do and the folks that I run with, um, don't, you know, and the other girls I, that are out there. Nobody gets you know it's not like it was. And you know, I think I think Jana Guthrie was it wasn't she a Kelly girl? I think that back when they had the Kelly girl thing. Yeah. I think she was, and if she was, and I apologize, but the bottom line was, like, when she went to Gasoline Alley at Indy, they women were not allowed to go there. So things have changed significantly from where they were in the 70s. So we've made some big progress. Uh, but I think guys respect and women respect people of competence, and you just have to get out there and, and be able to perform, and no one can, you know, like I always tell people, like, hey, let's shut up and drive, you know? Let's see who gets yeah, to the yeah. flag first. Well, I, I will. kind of what I, what I, Robert, it's what I was saying earlier. It's that it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Once you put that helmet on, um, it's just how, how you're driving. And if you're, um, uh, a good driver, you're respectful of your other, of your fellow drivers. You don't, you know, do stupid things like block or, or, you know, run people off the track when you're not supposed to. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, once you put the helmet on, it doesn't really matter if you're a man or a woman. Well, I, I, you know, and you're right about that too, from a guy's perspective, and it, and 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 you're right about the fact that you know respect on the on the track. Now, I will say this: in 1997, I had the good fortune of riding with Cami Edelbrock and her '66 Shelby at Elkhart Lake. We were up there for a Shelby meet, and in fact, if you oh go to God. if you go to my website <laughs> and you go to snapshots, there's a picture that's uh, that on the top of that website, and it's taken from the inside of Cami's car, and you can see over the hood of her car, you can see the dash, the tack. And she's right beside me. And I was sitting there, and I, and I was not petrified. In fact, I had the utmost respect because, actually, Cammie, you drove a lot better than I do. Um, so, and, and I respect women in, that basically can do anything better than the guy because I'm saying, all right, that just motivates me. You know, me as a guy just motivates me to be, be just as good. And it's, and it's not a, a guy-gal thing. It's just I look at you as an individual. I don't look at you as a girl necessarily. And just like you said, once you put the helmet on, the car, the helmet, it doesn't discriminate whether you're a guy or a girl because you're racing. Yeah, it's all about competition, you know, and just having fun and 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 doing it in a way like like Karen mentioned that that you know that that's uh, honorable, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and vintage racing, you know, you you get in trouble if you push somebody off the track or you drive aggressively. Um, they you know they encourage, they want you to race and they want you to have fun. But if you drive aggressively and you have an incident. You get kicked out for a year, or you can, or, you, or at least you can get on probation. So when you're going into a turn, you have to make a decision: is this going to get me? Is this going to be a clean pass? You know, if I'm going in to make a pass, is this going to be clean? Am I going to get around this guy or or girl or whoever? Um, and if not, you know, and you make that pass, 
it's your responsibility to get by cleanly, and if you don't, then you can get kicked out. So there's a lot of uh, things like that that happen in the vintage racing world, at least. I forgot about Elkhart Lake. That was fun. That was. That was, that was, was a great event. I have pictures of that. In fact, it's on the website, too. So, But at any rate, hey, girls, we got a minute or two left. What I'd like to do is, uh, is well, Kelly, how far away is your Firebird from being done? Uh, give it three, four people and a good weekend, and she's there. Okay, good. You got any other projects that you're working on besides that, or is that it? <laughs> yes. Uh, next up after that is a... 66 SS 396 Chevelle. Oh, yes, really? It's real, yes. It's numbers matching. Okay. And nice. uh, after that, I'm eyeing a particular 53 Chevy that's sitting around. Okay. Well, good girl. So you're more of a kind of a car girl, not really so much on the racing, but just kind of like really cool street cars then, right? Yes. Yes, okay. I like to build me some nice street cars. All right, so here's what I want to do. we got a minute or so left. I want each one of you girls, real quick, just plug your, say your name and plug your websites real quick, and then we're going to have to sign off. And all you guys are going to be at SEMA, right? Yeah, we're all going to be oh, yeah. at SEMA. Okay, uh, good. Aren't we? Yeah, of course <laughs> you are. Yeah, it's Karen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. I know Kelly, and we're there. there. All right, Kelly, go ahead, and, and, and one more time, just plug your website real quick if you want. Okay, my name is Kelly Kolf. My company is Kolf Creative Resources, and it's www.kolfcreative.com. Okay. Uh, Joanne? Uh, my website is uh, www.crazyhorsepainting.com. Okay. And Cami? And my name is Cami Edelbrock, and I work for Schieffer Media, so it's schiefermedia.com. But most importantly, I'm going to be in your neighborhood on December 8th. Oh, that's right. At the Charlotte Harbor Event and Conference Center in Punta Gorda. I'm going to be a celebrity there. That's right. You'll be signing autographs. That's that's in, in Fort Myers. There yeah, go. so I want everybody to come by and say hi. Okay, that's what, December 8th, right? December 8th. Okay, Punta super. Gorda. And then... Yeah. And then, uh, Karen, real, real quick, plug your, your yep. website. Yes, and I'm Karen Salvaggio, www.thundervalleyracing.com. And also, I am very proud to have partnered with Rupert Bragg Smith, and we are in the process of building America's next full-service road course, Carrera Motorsports Park, and it'll be in Beatty, Nevada. So that's my next project. New wow. Yay, That's super. Yeah. Hey, I want to thank all you girls for hanging out with uh, me here at uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I look forward to seeing all you girls at uh, SEMA. We'll take a group photo. Meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Be sure to tune in here for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we'll see you at some of the car shows. Maybe we'll even see some of you guys at SEMA. Okay.
pulling tails out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you ten dollars if you sing into his can. Downtown Day. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.